If you are a Braveheart, the next hour is just for you. Welcome to Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold. In this program, you'll learn who the Bravehearts are and connect with them to help change the world. By doing so, you'll be changed for the better. Now, here is your host, Brian Reinbold. Yeah, welcome, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the mission specialist. You're tuned in to VoiceAmerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America variety channel. Today, we're going to talk about playing with purpose. If you'd like to connect with us at Bravehearts for Kids, uh, it's BraveheartsforKids.org and uh, SpotlightHope.org, our uh, flagship program. Email me at Mission Specialist at BraveheartsRadio.org and uh, connect on LinkedIn. And that's how I got connected with uh, Chris Schroeder, and he's our guest today. Uh, Chris is the executive director of the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program in Boston, and uh, we initially met on LinkedIn. Uh, welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks for having me. That's good Good to have you. You know, when, when I was a kid, my mom, well, first of all, my, my, uh, my dad was a teacher at the college in Valley City, North Dakota, and, you know, all of North Dakota has about 600,000 people. Valley City had about 7,000 people in the town, but we had a college. It's now a university. My dad was the geography teacher, and we were the host family because of that for all of the students that came from around the world. We called them exchange students at the time, but I later came to realize that there weren't uh, any of the students from our campus uh, heading off to uh, uh, Greece or Taiwan or let alone Sudan or the Gambia. But uh, Dad was uh, was in charge of uh, that, so we got to uh, meet people from all over the world because of that. And my mom was a stay-at-home mom, but she got involved in a lot of stuff in the community. And one of the things that she was very involved with was something called community concerts. And she and uh, the people that she worked with brought uh, musical and other cultural acts to the campus in Valley City. And and I remember as a kid uh, going to all kinds of orchestra and musical events and even, uh, you know, acrobats and, and, you know, all kinds of tremendous cultural events that I don't think we appreciated quite as much as kids as I do now, for uh, for the for really the, uh, the 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 tremendous opportunity and the wonderful thing that that was. Uh, so I you know I grew up with uh, with with, uh, with a lot of opportunity uh, for music. I never was a musician myself. Love love listening to music and and uh, uh, but I, you know never never really played anything. Um, Chris, you're you're a musician. Um, how did how did you get started in music? Well, it's um, I appreciate you sharing that story. I, I uh, you know, when I came to music, it it wasn't really about the cultural connection or you know wanting to be a, a musician per se. Um, when I came to music, it was in middle school and. You know, just hearing you talk, it kind of made me think. It really was for me about about community. Um, you yeah. know, it was about finding a, a group of people that I could identify with. Um, and I remember distinctly telling my grandfather, who had raised me, I said, "You know, I think I want to play football." And he says, "You're not. You're not going to play football. No way." And uh, and I, I shortly after that, I went to a um, a middle school um, meeting with all the students and so forth and the jazz band was playing and i i remember that moment i heard the trombones playing and i was like man that's that's cool i like that i'm, I'm gonna give that a try and and i signed up for a beginner band in eighth grade and immediately was attracted to you know all the different instruments and the and the group of friends that you know I, I slowly built over over that time but you know i think for me it was it was really about finding a community um, that i could connect with and you know, not destroy my knees like my grandfather swore I would if I played football. So, um, yeah, so I, I ended up uh, trying out trombone and uh, and then realized that trumpet was where I was ultimately going to settle with. And uh, and from eighth grade on, I've been playing it ever since. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, I, 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 I did have a, a short 
a, a short attempt at band when I think it was about seventh grade, and and for about six weeks I had a trombone, and so I, I remember a, li- a little bit about about its slide position and stuff. Uh, I, I didn't uh, I didn't stay with it, and uh, it was, you know it was a short term uh, kind of thing. My brother and sister both took piano lessons, so they learned to play the piano. I didn't learn to play the piano either. Uh, did did you have that kind of a musical background too, playing the piano or anything like that? You know, I, yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, you know, if you if you talk to my my folks, they'd probably say, yeah, I, you know, I, I was always an entertainer, um, and whether I was, you know, banging on a, a little keyboard or however, you know, when I picked up the trumpet, it seemed like, like, oh, you know, this is what he should be doing, or this is, you know, something that I he had interest in when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I don't I don't have a musical family uh, per se. I you know I yeah. have, um, you know, some folks that. That sang, and you know, my grandfather sang, but uh, my my mom was a, a majorette. You know, did some um, leading uh, drum corps and that sort of thing, but but not uh, not a lot of people in my family were active musicians. And then you you became a music educator, which is a, another uh, another um, a, a leap, I suppose. Um, how did how did that come about for you? Uh, you know kind of thinking about that community and, and uh, the people I was surrounding myself with, I, I was constantly in the band room. I was constantly in that space. And I really connected a lot with the, the teachers uh, that I had. And, you know, perhaps I was just fortunate, um, you know, to be in a situation where, where you know, there were some really great educators, uh, music educators, that, that is, um, where they were not only music teachers, but they were... Uh, almost a family to me where mm-hmm. I could go into the band room in the morning and have a conversation with the, the band director there, or I'd see him at lunch or I'd see my friends at lunch that were, you know, in, in music and so forth. Um, but I think, you know, through that, 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 uh, those relationships, I, I really wanted to uh, pursue education, uh, as a, as a career path. Um, and, I think part of me was was always interested in performing and and wanting to be an entertainer as well and and so I was doing everything uh, within the the space of music. I would even take summer school classes just to free my my course load uh during the um the regular academic year so I could you know take a, another piano class or a, a choir class or jazz band and big band and and, and uh concert band rather that is so um you know, I just I just felt like I, I had some really amazing people that I was surrounding myself with, and I just wanted to continue that and 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 create more opportunities like that for other young people. Um, what, as, was, as an educator, was there anyone that uh, stood out in particular? I imagine that maybe maybe in more more than one, but uh, a, a mentor for you during that period of time. You know, I I would say I would say I, I learned a lot from a lot of different people. Um, you know, my uh, my very first trumpet teacher, uh, Mark Barron, was, you know, just in the same way, you know, as I was saying earlier, that it's it wasn't so much about the trumpet lessons as much as it was just the relationships that I was building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our, our trumpet lessons were, were just as much a, a conversation about the things that are just going on in my life as, as much as it were was, uh, you know, related to technique and, and that sort of thing. And, and my band directors, you know, that I had, um, you know, Frank McKenney, he would always have his door open in middle school and, you know, always just had a good sense of humor. And, um, my high school band director, um, Charles Watford was just a really passionate human being. And, uh, and that, and it was that, that moment where I realized I want to, I want to go and I want to study this, you know, in, in, uh, at a collegiate level. And I was interested in electronics and engineering and, you know, these sorts of things, but, it, I remember playing uh, um, Holst Suite, and there's uh, you know the second movement, and I just was was totally taken aback in rehearsal, be it, and uh, and just felt like at that moment it was like this is what I want to do, you know where else can I get goosebumps, you know like this, and and uh, yeah. you know, if I can help to create more opportunities like that, I, I want to continue, and you know I, I had great teachers along the way, and and great college professors and so forth, and of all sorts. Um, you know, taught me so many different things about life and music, and yeah. um, that, yeah, it's and, the, and you were those uh, are probably the the first three or four that come to mind. 
Wow, good good deal. Well, you were a trumpeter during this time too, right? That's your that's your main that's instrument. Correct. Yep. Yeah, main instrument. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, I, I think of the um, uh, some of the some of the trump. My dad was a, a big Herb Alpert fan. You remember Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass? <laughs> Oh yeah. So we we had some of those records going up, and I, I still uh, I still put on uh, one of his tunes called Aranways uh, when I want to really get going. Oh, nice. You know, it get, gets me uh, yeah. gets me moving. You know, and um, nice. But uh, uh, as an as an educator, you've uh, you you've uh, gotten some real accolades, uh, particularly recently. I think um, I the uh, the Grammy Music Educator Award. Um, yeah. yeah, I was uh, I was a quarterfinalist for the Grammy Music Educator Award, and in kind of leading up to that too, I've I've done a lot of work with um, with uh, Conselmer, which is an instrument manufacturer in the United States, and as a, um, a guest clinician, uh, talking about um, strategic planning for organizations and, and community engagements and. Um, just talking about social justice and and using music not only as a vehicle for for teaching young people how to you know play the, the right notes and the scales and in tune and time and so forth, but but using it as a vehicle to to bring about um, you know better um, a better future for for young people, you know, giving them something that they could you know either remark it in their own young lives as as a moment where they were you know really inspired or they. Or driven, you know, to succeed and in, in, um, you know, at something, uh, and mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, you know, music is the is the vehicle in which I do that. And uh, over the years, you know, over a decade of of teaching in a, a lot of urban settings, um, primarily in the Boston area, um, there were you know some uh, some initiatives that that came to be. Uh, El Sistema is one of them that was mm-hmm. uh, and still is um, a a movement in the U.S. that's really committed to social justice through music, music education. Uh, and so through that lens and the work that I was doing in, in Boston and then also uh, some of the local colleges and uh, the L.A. Phil uh, for their um, uh, youth orchestra initiative um, for uh, El Sistema students nationally, uh, all of that combined uh, was really helping to kind of kind of move, I guess, in that direction. And so, uh, yeah, there was a, an opportunity, and, and I was nominated uh, for the uh, the Grammy Music Educator Award, and, and I ended up uh, being a quarterfinalist for it, which was you know something I was you know, really pleased. Um, and in the end, I ended up uh, uh, taking a, uh, a position at the Just Like Quincy Orchestra Program. Uh, and given that I wasn't going to continue music, I actually had to write to the Grammys and say, uh, hey, um, I, I've taken a position as an executive leader in an organization. I'm no longer going to be teaching, and I, I kind of disqualified myself in some ways. Uh, mm-hmm. That said, the the person that was selected that year was an incredible educator from Florida, choir teacher, and, and uh, uh, someone that I was connected with uh, through a couple degrees of separation. But, um, uh, you know, it was it was just a great honor to be amongst that that group of uh, about 98 uh, nationally that were uh, recognized. That's a That's tremendous, pro- yeah, tremendous program. Uh, we're going to be going to a break here very shortly, and uh, when we come back, we'll be talking more with um, Chris Schroeder, and we'll particularly get into the Josiah Quincy Orchestra program. Uh, stay with us on Brave Hearts Radio. Uh, be back on the other side of sixty seconds. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Brave Hearts Radio is sponsored by Brave Hearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. 
Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm your host, Brian Reinbold, and I am the Mission Specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live Internet talk radio. And I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking about playing with purpose with our guest, Chris Schroeder, from the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program. You can connect with uh, Bravehearts for Kids at braveheartsforkids.org. You can connect with uh, Chris at uh, jqop.org. That's uh, the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program. You can email me at missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org, especially if you are interested in, if you've got a location for a retreat. We've got some retreats and thought leader summits that are coming up that have been scheduled or are in the process of being scheduled. We're talking about uh, Philadelphia, uh, for 2021, Kauai and Ireland for 2021, and uh, Chicagoland and Bismarck, North Dakota for 2020. Uh, if you are interested in the uh, in the uh, retreats, uh, thought leader summits, uh, email me, mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org, and uh, and let uh, let us know about that. And you know, we haven't talked about uh, putting together a thought leader summit in Boston. But I think that would that would be an awfully good place for thought leadership. You know, that's where some of the some of the great thought leadership in the United States comes from, right? So, <laughs> yeah, might that uh, you know that, not to put you on the spot, uh, Chris, but uh, would you be interested in being <laughs> yeah. on a, in a thought leader program in Boston? And my uh, condo's only so big, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the the uh, Josiah <laughs> Quincy Orchestra Program. That's uh, you're the executive director. Um, and uh, when when we uh, when we came up with the title uh, uh, for the today's show, playing with purpose, uh, that came from the um, uh, annual report, I think, from the uh, from the program. Um, That's great. And I, I, I picked that up from that, and there's there's a story behind that too, I think. So, uh, but uh, tell me tell me about the the program and 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 how how you got started, uh, what what it does, and and where it's going. Sure. So I, I uh, joined the orchestra program uh, two years ago, um, and this was a, a program that was started um, that was inspired by El Sistema, uh, this movement in Venezuela that essentially was promoting social justice, social change uh, through music education. And uh, there were a lot of initiatives around the 2010-2011 uh, time period in the States uh, that brought El Sistema uh, to the U.S. And one of the first programs I was teaching at uh, initially uh, was one of these flagship programs. And Josiah Quincy was actually uh, in the same vein of those uh, initial starts. And so in 2011, the uh, principal and um, founder, Graciela Bersino, uh, worked together to try to figure out, well, how could um, a, uh, a nonprofit uh, or a small organization work to support uh, instrumental music education where uh, it was lacking in, in certain Boston public schools, uh, wanting to be able to support um, those initiatives. Um, and so they uh, put a group of three or four teaching artists um, in the room and um, end up having about 50 students uh, register for the program. And then seven years later, uh, flash forward, there were about 150 
157 students in the program and a team of about 17 uh, teaching artists uh, that were working with the students every single day, um, providing them with uh, a little over an hour of music instruction five days a week uh, before school. And over the last two years, uh, we've been able to expand that program. Um, Now we have just over 260 students that receive daily music education from a team of 27 incredible teaching artists uh, across eight orchestras, um, one of which is a, an orchestra that's committed to providing special needs music education uh, to, uh, to youth that uh, are either struggling with physical handicaps or mental disabilities in, in one way or the other. So, you know, really trying to provide music education, access to music for all, uh, and, uh, you know, it's just been really exciting over the last couple of years to take what I've learned um, of, of a decade of, of teaching and leadership experience and, and kind of bring that to um, this program. And you know, looking at our community, uh, looking at the Boston Public Schools uh, and the efforts that they're doing to strengthen the arts and so forth, uh, you know, now as we're charging ahead in my third year, you know, really figuring out well, what's the what's the, the the secret ingredient, you know, to kind of ensure that that as many students that that are are interested um, in music education or even those that don't uh, know that they're interested and have a have a desire to play or a talent, uh, how can we provide uh, instruments, resources, uh, exceptional teachers uh, to these students and ultimately impact not only their musical success but looking at them as, as a scholar, as, a, as an individual, as a young person uh, that can succeed if given the, the proper resources and, and uh, community uh, surrounding them to do so. So, you know, I guess all that said, it's, it's been a really exciting ride and, and um, uh, you know, I'm happy to, you know, share more. I'm sure we'll, we'll get into some conversations about uh, the program and some of the things we're doing. But in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's what we're doing. Yeah, and you you uh, you make it available for for students uh, uh, at no cost to the to the student or to the family, isn't that right? Well, so we have we have um, um, some tuition that's paid, but there's about okay fifty six percent of the of the students uh, receive uh, full uh, full tuition um, full scholarship rather, um, and ideally we're working towards a model where. Um, the the cost is is not a barrier whatsoever, um, and it's not uh, with with the program as it stands now. You know, in the end of the day, the students who pay full price their tuition, which is uh, forty dollars a week mm-hmm. uh, for seven and a half hours of music wow. education and an instrument. Um, I mean, it's 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 still uh, incredibly low. Um, that's subsidized through foundation grants and individual supporters. Um, uh, corporate donations and so forth. So, you know, if you think about, you know, what you do with, with $5 a day, basically, um, that's, that's what we're doing um, uh, with that money. Um, you know, so it's basically a coffee, you know, and, and, yeah. and through that, um, that, that daily investment, we're providing um, three teaching artists uh, working with, with each of the orchestras, uh, private lessons, community engagement, um, a musical instrument that they can use throughout the year and take part in Saturday programs and enrichment opportunities. And, and then we're providing free ticket offers with the relationships we're building. So it's, you know, it, it really, in the end, it's, it's um, um, a small amount of money um, for, for the, everything they're getting. Uh, and then again, like I said, we, we have scholarship that we offer and, um, to, to just offset all of the uh, cost for, uh, for any family. Yeah, that's what I, that I was thinking. Is that the uh, you know not that it's free for everyone, but uh, uh, that uh, the cost is not an impediment. That there is the scholarship opportunity available, and that's part of Correct. the part of the yeah. part of the challenge of raising money for something like uh, JQOP, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. yeah. How do you go about how do you go about uh, with your how, uh, how do you go about fundraising? What uh, what what works and uh, and what uh, might you uh, get some help with that uh, that would be good. Sure. You know, I think when we talk about fundraising, um, you know, it's, it's not about, you know, how can we market or how can we, um, you know, get donors or more dollars and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the the goal all along, at least for, you know for the last two years, and, and of course you know since the inception of this program has been, you know, how can we make this program as strong as possible, mm. uh, and let the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's why we say you know this year playing with purpose, um, and you know if if we're able to invest in the teachers, if we're able to invest in the students, uh, creating these really incredible experiences. Uh, my first year in the program, we were, we were incredibly fortunate to be invited to perform at the Mayor's State of the City Address at Symphony Hall. Wow. And, uh, and that was just one of another 35 events that we did uh, throughout the, the school year. And, you know, the big focus on that was, well, let's just get the kids out in the community. Let's get the kids, let's get the parents, let's get our, our local um, you know, site and the families around there just talking and buzzing about the work that we're doing. Um, and, yeah. and, and if we're doing a good job, then the fundraising piece of it is, is kind of tertiary. It's a, it's a, it's a thing that will come as a result of the good work that's happening on a daily basis. Um, and, and so that's really been, you know, a lot of the focus and the strategy, uh, around fundraising. Um, you know, and, and I guess the other the other side of it too, and something that we're going through right now is looking strategically at the organization and you know how we can continue to better serve the students. Um, and so the the conversation uh, with the board um, and and one that we'll start with our our teaching artists now is, you know, are we doing what we're saying we're doing? Uh, are we are we truly measuring the musical outcomes and the the social emotional outcomes? Uh, of the music program, and and that's you know answering some some difficult questions and, and being as as open, transparent, and kind of modeling this growth mindset that we um, you know hope to instill in our students, but doing it as adults. And uh, and so you know the the end goal with that is is to have uh, metrics, is to have uh, numbers that say you know as a result of this orchestra program, uh, we're able to. Um, you know, show that that students are more successful in school, that students are uh, attending uh, school on a more consistent basis, uh, that families are more engaged at home in in either arts or just other activities, um, you know, that are perhaps connected to uh, the music program, you know, whether they're attending free concerts or they're asking their, their kids, you know, you know, are you practicing, you know, or, or when's the next concert, you know, and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. it's uh you know, that, there's kind of two sides to that. It's, it's, you know, really making sure that we're, that we're, that we're, that we have a good program. Um, mm-hmm. and that, and that there's things that the kids can be excited about and talk about. And then the other is, you know, making sure that we're demonstrating, um, in kind of a, a qualitative way or rather quantitative way, uh, the impact uh, of, yeah. of the program. Remind, reminds me of, uh, something I, I think it's the philosopher Goethe said, uh, before you can do something, you must be something. And uh, yeah. it it, yeah, sure. it strikes me as you know getting out for the uh, uh, for the for the the mayor's event or for you know getting out into public and and bringing the uh, the public this this good work that you're doing is is exactly the way to um, to show that you 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 have become something uh, and and you're and you're doing something. So uh, sure. I want to talk oh, more God. about uh, the uh, um, the the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program. Uh, we'll be back on the other side of 60 seconds. Stick with us on Bravehearts Radio. I'm with uh, Chris Schroeder from the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program in Boston. Back with you soon. Voice America is available on your Google Connected device. Okay, Google. Play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Bravehearts Radio is sponsored by Bravehearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. 
Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I'm Brian Reinbold, and I am the Mission Specialist. You're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we're the leader in live internet talk radio, and I'm grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today, we're talking about playing with purpose with Chris Schroeder from the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program. Uh, you can check out uh, Josiah Quincy at jqop.org. And, of course, our own Bravehearts for Kids is braveheartsforkids.org. Going into the third segment, I always mention the National Day Calendar. Nationaldaycalendar.com is a uh, terrific sponsor of the Bravehearts for Kids Pediatric Cancer Charity. And today, March 9th, is Barbie Day, Crab Meat Day, Get over it day, meatball day, and napping day. You know, so uh, I'm I'm thinking I I could I could uh, you know take a nap, get up, and have a crab cake. You know, that put make, combine combine the meatball and the crab meat thing, and maybe make make maybe make a day out of it. Maybe make a day out of that. But uh, always grateful for the uh, National Day calendar. Next week, uh, Marlo Anderson, the uh, founder of the National Day calendar, will be our guest. Uh, this week, uh, Chris Schroeder from the Josiah Quincy Orchestra. Program. Program is with us on Bravehearts Radio, and and you know we, we Chris we've been we've been talking uh, the, through the breaks just about the same as we have been on the on the program. Uh, it's just you know it's fascinating to me the 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 connection between uh, musical involvement and what I perceive as um, uh, academic success overall and success in life. And I, I just, I, you know, because I remember the the, uh, the the kids I grew up with and the ones that were involved in choir and band tend to be the higher achievers. And I'm not sure if it was that the higher achievers gravitated toward those extracurricular activities or if the uh, activity fostered the high achievement. Uh, mm-hmm correlation between uh, being involved in something like this uh, and and success. Um, it, mm-hmm. you, you get that feeling too. You know, there's there's definitely there's a lot of of uh, research nationally and internationally that that is being done has been done to measure the impact that uh, music uh, has and, and arts uh, has on on uh, academic success and just a well rounded uh, student. And you know you raise a good point. The you know the and, and honestly, it's it's one that is that is raised quite often when you talk about uh, measuring the impact uh, of arts education uh, on a on a crop of students. It's hard to say, hey, you know, we want to create a better future for um, this group of young people, and then have a control group in which, which we isolate from all arts activities and enrichment opportunities, and and uh, and just see how it goes in the next ten years. Yeah, the um, control and, group. You know, and, and of course, that, that sounds just mean. <laughs> yeah, it sounds yeah, it sounds cruel, right? Yeah, and yeah. of course, there there are programs that have worked to try to figure out well, how can we do this in a in a you know a way in which we're measuring either national data uh, statistics on uh, students that are um, you know either not involved in, in enrichment opportunities or don't identify as as, as uh, you know taking part in those things. Um, and, you know, I think what we're aiming to do is, is try to, right now, break down barriers and ensure mm-hmm. that every single child that wants access to music education can have it. Um, and then, you know, as best we can within our community, within the, the population that we have, um, 
it, measuring that that impact, um, and that's you know as I was saying earlier, this is the the part where we're in, in part of our strategic planning where we're really revisiting. You know, it's as as much as it's it always is for musicians. You know, art for art's sake, and that's such an important thing for us to stay true to. Mm-hmm. Um, there are you know barriers and challenges and things that we have to overcome when it comes to funding, and we have to make the case for ourselves in any way that we can. And you know, we musicians we tend to or educators and music educators, I guess specifically, tend to be mm-hmm. you know scrappy, you know, really resourceful. Uh, and it's almost we it's almost a, as a, a detriment to us because regardless of the limited resources that we're provided, uh, whether it's an, a, a visual art teacher or a music teacher that has no financial resources to to buy instruments and so forth, somehow or another we always figure it out, uh, and we're always committed to our students. Uh, we always want to make sure that they have uh, the best possible experience and that we're representing them and ourselves in, in the best possible way and. So the administrator comes to a concert and says, well, you're doing a great job. You know, I don't mm-hmm. seem like you guys need any funding whatsoever. You know, <laughs> so I think it's, I think it's always important to have those national numbers. And, and honestly, if you look at NAFME and, and NAM and, um, you know, so many of the, the larger um, organizations that are disseminating this information, there's the wealth of resources there in which you can use for advocacy um, for mm-hmm. your own music programs. Uh, arts programs. Um, no, no, no point in reinventing the wheel. I guess is is maybe the, you know, the the, the point I'm trying to make. Take well, take, and, uh, take a look at what's what's happening and use that uh, for your argument. And the, you know, and there 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 may be a st- a statistical analysis that says that music is uh, uh, is is, is uh, well, and success for success in music itself. That's a that's a great way to look at it. Uh, but I think sometimes the the anecdotal, the story, is what really uh, gets people to say, "Yeah, that's I I get that." Uh, there must yeah, be a sure. couple of uh, examples of students that really can kind of stand out for you, uh, success stories. Yeah, man, it's a great, great point. Just, and I, I will share a, a story, but this the idea of, you know, going in with a, a line graph and a story, you know, sometimes is really, you know, talking about fundraising and we're talking about, um, you know, trying to um, you know, advocate for our programs. You have to show the numbers. You've got to show the impact. You've got to show mm-hmm. the, you know, something is increasing as a result of it, but then you're absolutely right. You've got the, uh, the story and, you know, not every year you're going to have the, you know, the, the success uh, story, you know, that, that sends it over the top. Um, and I was in a, in a situation back in 2010 where I was, I was teaching at a school where we had the program at the time um, was two hours of music every single day for all the students in the school, 178 students. And that's unheard of. 16 teaching artists. So my job was part-time teaching artist in a room with four trumpet players for two hours every single day, all third and fourth graders. Wow. Um, and, it, you know, and so at the time, my job and my, my thought was, is I'm just going to make these the best trumpet players that anyone has ever heard. Mm-hmm. You know, just it's a grand experiment, and and it was I was really fortunate to be in a situation where I was given that that space um, to uh, and license to be creative and and truly a teaching artist uh, in that way. And you know, flash forward, the first trumpet student that I started teaching uh, just got a, a full ride to Berkeley for four years, um, and before wow. he graduated from his high school program, received a free trumpet. Um, or not free, he worked for it, you know, but uh, was awarded uh, yeah. a brand new instrument uh, for him to study with. And, you know, so it's, it's in those moments, you know, you're kind of day by day, week by week, month, year, year by year. And then all of a sudden you kind of look back and you go, wow, look at this. This is a story. This is the trajectory. And so, you know, it's, it, it really is a lot of roll your sleeves up and you're trying to make the best of these situations. But, but in the end, there's some really great, um, uh, it's, you know, it's really powerful how music and particularly community engagement uh, has has really shaped uh, my teaching narrative and, and honestly has has impacted the students that I work with. And so the you know the path from 2010 
to now um, with with this particular group of students has has been just a wild ride. And I I was actually just talking to someone today about this, ironically enough. And you know the it's such a simple recipe. Yeah, we were in a situation where we had. Um, folks that were contacting us because they said, hey, you know, you're, you're teaching two hours every single day. You know, um, we'd love for you to perform here. And the first year, the directors of the time said, no, you know, we're not ready to go. We're not, we don't have a performance ready. We're not, you know, we're not ready. And so uh, I happened to be in the office where the phone calls were coming in. And I decided at that moment that the next time the phone rang, we would be ready. And mm-hmm. that my four trumpet players would have something to deliver on. They would, I would be able to raise my hand with confidence to say, We'll take that gig. And yeah. the f- next phone call was a learning forward conference at the Heinz Convention Center for 2,000 people. Um, and it was an education conference. And we played seven minutes. And, you know, the, I remember the beginning distinctly with these, these four trumpet players and a trombone player in the backstage. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the Dudamel Brass Ensemble, you know, this announcer over the speaker. And they were like, oh, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. This is cool. Uh, wow. Thanks, Mr. Schroeder. And, you know, they're, they're little tykes, right, at that time. Yeah. And that was the first gig. It was on tape. We were for, you know, for 2,000 people. We're, we're playing When the Saints Go Marching In and a couple other tunes. But that's all it was. And then after that, the next day we got in the classroom. Mr. Schroeder, when's the next gig? When's the next performance? Yeah. And I had kids that were intrinsically motivated to play. Yeah. Uh, they, I didn't have to walk into the classroom and try to convince them that music was good for them. They saw it. They, they witnessed it themselves and they wanted that rush and that energy and that excitement that they felt um, being a, a part of this team, being a part of this community and being able to, to perform and entertain people. Yeah. Uh, so that, you know, you know, and that's why I say flash forward 10 years, but the, the work that we did from that moment forward, I mean, th- that group of people must have per- performed at least 20 or 30 times a year. Um, you know, so you put all those together and you've got an elementary and a middle school age student that has taken the stage, um, you know, somewhere in the, in the ballpark of, of 200 times, um, whether it was for uh, a benefit concert, whether it was at the hat shelf or, you know, uh, an audience of 2,000 people or the, the House of Blues uh, or the State House uh, or this Mayor's State of the City address that I mentioned earlier. You know, all of these little moments uh, are, are formative and you know, the recipe is simple, but in the end, the result is, uh, is, is life-changing. Yeah, any of those sound like they could be uh, like career events for a lot of people. And you, you remind me of uh, the, uh, the, the quote from Howard Thurman, ask what the world needs. Instead, mm-hmm. ask, what makes me come alive? And then go do yeah. that. And I reckon yeah. that that that's actually what the world needs, and it sounds like you're uh, you're really uh, nailing it with uh, with with getting this done for the for the kids and the students that are in the program. Uh, we've got one more break to go to. We're going to do that, and uh, we'll be back uh, to wrap things up with uh, Chris Schroeder from the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program uh, on Bravehearts Radio. Stick with us. We'll be back on the other side of sixty once again. us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Bravehearts Radio is sponsored by Bravehearts for Kids, a national pediatric cancer charity. Our mission is to provide life-saving hope and inspiration to families facing a pediatric cancer ordeal through outreach, information, and mentoring. Our recently updated Spotlight Hope mobile app puts families in touch with resources to help make their lives better from any location in the USA. For more information or to help, go to BraveHeartsForKids.org. That's BraveHeartsForKids.org. As the mission specialist, Brian Reinbold doesn't fly the rockets, but he does help to make sure each mission gets accomplished. Employee engagement is such an important concern for business people today. Brian helps socially conscious businesses reduce expenses, increase profits, and inspire a sense of dedication in the workforce by training mission-building behavior. It's not what Brian does that's most important. It's what people do after he trains them. For more information, contact Brian Reinbold at Mission Specialist at BraveHeartsRadio.org. 
Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're part of Bravehearts Radio. Call into the program today to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also email Brian. His email is missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org. Now, back to this week's show. And welcome back, Bravehearts. You're listening to Bravehearts Radio. I am Brian Reinbold, the mission specialist, and you're tuned in to voiceamerica.com, where we are the leader in live internet talk radio. And I am grateful to be here with you on our flagship Voice America Variety Channel. Today we're talking about playing with purpose with Chris Schroeder from the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program, jqop.org. There's an easy one uh, to, to look up. Uh, you know, be sure to let me know. If you're interested in being a part of the show, if you've got a, a motivational uh, topic or if you've got something going on that uh, you want uh, to, to uh, express on Bravehearts Radio, uh, make a lot of connections through LinkedIn and uh, have, been, have set up several shows now because of good old LinkedIn. And uh, so connect with me there and uh, we'll, we'll make things happen like we're, like we're talking about things today with, uh, with Chris from Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program. What a terrific program, man. Boston, um, yeah. fortunate, fortunate yeah, to you. have such things going on, yeah. Any particular, let's see, we're, we're, during the break we were talking about a, uh, uh, a particular, uh, uh, some students and, and some uh, uh, programs that, um, that they got in, involved with, summer program, um, yeah, I am sure. You know, so the the idea of you know, you're trying to figure out, okay, well, these students are going through this program. We're performing on a pretty regular basis. You know, as I said, there's about 20 performances a year. You know, mm-hmm. give or take, uh, these students are taking part in. And as students would graduate from middle school, they would go off into their high school programs, um, and I'd get these phone calls, these text messages, you know, from parents and even from the kids after about three months. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, how, you know, how are things going? And, and they're kind of checking in with me. And I said, you know, I thought I thought we were going to perform a lot more when we went to high school. Um, you know, some of these kids were, were taking part. I mean, in my last year at Conservatory Lab, we had 56 events that I had coordinated for 444 kids. Um, it, was a, it was a lot of performing. Um, that, that uh, kids are taking part in. So parents and kids are reaching out to me, you know, when's the next gig? You know, do you got anything going on? Um, yeah. You know, we're in our high school program and, you know, there's, there's, there's some concerts, but I just, you know, just figured we'd just check in. And, you know, I was also currently teaching uh, still and, and after, a, you know, a number of conversations and, uh, you know, basically a year of, I was kind of scratching my head. I'm like, all right, how can we put something together? I was sitting on the playground with the brother of uh, the the trumpet player I mentioned to you earlier. That I said, you know, mm-hmm. that after you know, eight years, now ten years, is is now um, full ride at Berkeley. Um, I was sitting down with his brother, who's a great horn player, and uh, you know, I said, our work's not over. I, I know I'm leaving, and you know, this is someone that I I used to cut oranges for when he was in in K2 yeah, and uh, kindergarten uh, rather. And, and uh, you know, so we had a, a relationship in, in a lot of ways and, and a lot of the kids that I worked with in a similar way. And so it works not over, but what we need is, is an identity. Um, and so we workshopped some logos and some names and what we came up with was uh, kind of a new Orleans style brass band called the summer street brass band. And nice. it was all, you know, really student, student-led and, and um, you know, I kind of shepherded along and um, and now after about a year and a half, two years or so, um, they've, uh, you know, regularly performing um, kind of gig, gig by gig, but, um, you know, the idea that they've got a community that they can always call upon and, and friends and musicians that they can lean on uh, and have some fun shared experiences, uh, you know, that's that was a, a real highlight for me, you know, after teaching for many years and it's like, what is all this worth and what does it look like? Um, you know, in the end, 
there's this this group of of uh, young musicians that have their own thing um, that you know they can continue to to book gigs and they can you know continue to to gather and connect um, you know even as they get older. So you know I'd love to see that you know continue to grow and, and mature and uh, you know I think it it also ties back to you know what we're doing at uh, just like Quincy Orchestra Program and that you know this is you know now two years in the making uh, of of trying to you know, create these these same positive transformational experiences, um, you know, that, that I was able to do with, with these young people um, at, at the previous school and now with Summer Street. And so the orchestra program, uh, just like orchestra program, we have eight orchestras. Uh, we've already given probably six, six to 12, I don't know, it's a, a widespread, I think probably about 10 performances uh, this uh, this past semester and on par to, to ramp it up here and, and end the year with about 40 events uh, that we'll do both with our teaching artists and our students. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, by the time we get to the end of, of this year and, and then years to come, that there's going to be similar stories, um, you know, that, that we can share um, with, um, with the work that we're doing, you know, around community engagement and just making a really fun, engaging program. I, really I should also tell you that we just started an adult orchestra, oh, um, yeah. which is super fun. Um, we we just uh, invited teachers uh, at Boston Public School teachers and parents to come in <clears throat> once a week. And we provided them with an instrument as kind of a pilot program. And within four hours, we filled the the whole all the spots in the orchestra. And they're gonna they're gonna give their debut performance uh, on Friday with all of our students at the uh, the orchestra program concert um, at, hey, the, at the site, Quincy. Maybe. Maybe there's still hope for me. You know, I, I just got a guitar from my friend Mike Rayburn at an uh, NSA event, and uh, it just uh, have a "What if it were possible?" on my on my uh, possibilities list for the "What if it were possible?" Learn to play the guitar. So it's now I want to thank. Oh yeah, yeah it's ne- never, yeah, too, never late, too late. So, but I, I do want to thank the audience for joining us this week. The time has flown by, Chris. Um, you know, we've been talking with uh, Chris Schroeder from the Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program uh, about playing with purpose uh, here on Bravehearts Radio. Remember to check out BraveHeartsForKids.org. Check out uh, Josiah Quincy Orchestra Program at jqop.org and uh, you can follow and like us on Facebook and uh, email me at missionspecialist at braveheartsradio.org please plan to join us every Monday at 4 Eastern Time, 1 Pacific next week we will be talking about celebrating every day and we'll have as our special guest Marlo Anderson who is the founder of the National Day Calendar uh, National Day Calendar, one of the great uh, sponsors of Brave Hearts for Kids Pediatric Cancer Charity. And uh, that just reminds me that doing good anywhere does good everywhere. So we'll see you next week. Oh, if you got a question, send me a question for Marlo, mission specialist at braveheartsradio.org. See you next week. Until then, be well. Thanks again for joining us this week for Bravehearts Radio. Be sure to tune in for another edition featuring your host, Brian Reinbold. The show can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk again next time.